Money FM 89.3, the best of your money. Market View on Money FM 89.3. He's a day away from another long break. So say welcome, Ryan Huang, everybody. We're so appreciative of his insights. Ryan, how are you this morning? Doing great, Michelle. It's all a day closer for everyone. The weekend is just around the corner. <laughs> yes, but yours is especially long. <laughs> we will get there. We all take turns to clear our leave. So you will also have your chance. <laughs> Enjoy your break, Ryan. Well deserved. There's a lot of corporate headlines and economic news to make our way through this morning, both in the US and here in Asia as well. I'm going to start with China, where a lot of investors are trying to decide whether it is the best time to jump back into markets or not. Yesterday, we talked about the country's soaring youth unemployment rate, somewhat disappointing industrial production as well. Now, those figures are having an impact on the Chinese yuan, which slid past seven vis-a-vis the US dollar for the first time. As investors sold off the currency, the yen has settled back. I'm looking at around 6.99 to the greenback. Today, we're going to look at China's through the lens of one of its biggest tech companies, and that is Tencent. Tencent sales jumped 11% during the first quarter, its fastest growth in more than a year. What exactly is fueling its strong performance, Ryan? Yeah, it does look like Tencent is back, and back because of the reopening story. So advertising is coming back, you know, activities around business and the hope for businesses to attract more consumer spending is driving spending, especially online advertising. So if you look at Tencent's numbers, revenue grew 17% on the online advertising front and it is just marking a gradual resumption of marketing and that has also been the case for others like Baidu as well. So that's something that you can perhaps look forward to as the reopening story continues to play out. All right, shares of Tencent up more than 8% since the beginning of the year in Hong Kong trade. Now, speaking of Hong Kong, a prominent investment conference took place over in Hong Kong yesterday for the first time in four years. And that was where hedge funds shared their insights about where they're putting their money. It turns out high unemployment or not, these international funds are bullish on certain parts of China's economy. What do we learn, Ryan? Yeah, it's very fascinating when you look at these stock picks because hedge funds really do their homework. It's their money at stake as well. So if you look at some of the interesting ones that stand out, you've got from Oasis Management, an eye on China education. And this is interesting because you might remember not too long ago, mm-hmm. a crackdown in the education sector. But he feels that there are still opportunities in higher education as well as the vocational school segment. Mm-hmm. And a couple of names here, he singled out shares of China Education Group, China Yihua Education, uh, Convertible Bonds and Hope Education in terms of credit. So these apparently to him offer attractive valuations and are aligned with government policy. I think that's the important thing. It has to be on the same page with what the, what the government is pushing for. So at least on the education front, that is what we have. A couple of other interesting picks that also stand out is one called Disco. And it has nothing to do with music. It's a Japanese semiconductor equipment maker called Disco Corporation. Ah. So this is a pick by Taibon Capital Management. And I think it's indicative of what else is happening out there. A lot of competition for chips. And this is playing in that space. So Disco is the 
dominant maker of tools used to slice, grind and dice silicon wafers and has also made gear that can also process silicon carbide. So it's one of those supply chain plays in semiconductors. And one interesting one is a Vietnamese grocer. So this was picked by Singapore-based Arisiac Partners Mm -hmm. and they are picking Mobile World Investment Corporation, a retailer in Vietnam. And this is because Mobile World is expanding into the grocery business, which is picking up really big time in Vietnam. So if you look at some of the examples being cited, Vietnamese households value fresh produce so much that they do two shopping trips per day. So a lot of potential growth there. So interesting. So in China, it's chips and education and uh, Vietnam. Wrap that up for us again. Groceries, fresh groceries. Fresh groceries. Imagine shopping twice a day because of the belief in the importance of fresh groceries. Just wonderful. Let's turn to the U.S. now where stocks rallied on the back of optimistic comments by U.S. President Joe Biden, who says he is confident that a budget deal can be reached with Republican lawmakers. Now, Biden declared that the U.S. court will not default on its debts. The Nasdaq and the Dow both jumped about one and a quarter percent on the news. S&P 500 not far behind. We got more insight overnight into the state of U.S. consumer spending, this time from big box store uh, Target. Now, yesterday we heard spending on big ticket items over at Home Depot was slowing. Ryan, what is the picture over at Target like? Yeah, pretty similar picture. So Target's numbers are interesting. It is also painting a tough outlook. So a gloomy second quarter as it sees consumers becoming more cautious. So if you look at the retailer projecting profits for the next quarter is at between a dollar thirty and a dollar seventy. Mm-hmm. That's below estimates of a dollar ninety-three. So it is showing signs of consumer patterns changing in the sense that they are starting to turn away from big ticket items like your smart TVs, your yeah. smartphones, or the big ones with higher margins towards the more value plays. So that's one factor playing out. Of course, the cost of living is one uh, important consideration. So they're also delaying some of these major purchases. So that's what they are bracing for, for that to taper off in that sense. And very similar picture to what Home Depot is reporting uh, as we see more caution creep into the consumer spending picture. And also worth noting, that Target is blaming organized retail crime as one of the cost pressures, so to speak. So apparently in the US, this is a big issue. Hmm. You have a lot of people stealing items from supermarkets and Target, like many others, like Walmart, Best Buy, are blaming the boom in online marketplaces as a platform for some some of these thieves to sell their stolen goods anonymously. So apparently it's becoming such a big problem. Target is expecting it to be costing it more than $500 million this year. So that's going to mark $1 billion worth of inventory loss. So all because of what it describes as organized retail crime. Wow, imagine that. Um, Basically merchandise shrink because uh, people are pocketing and then profiteering from consumer goods. Absolutely 
absolutely unbelievable yeah. trend, don't you think? Maybe how how sign, are they getting away with so much? Yeah, aside of cost of living pressures as well, people being, in, in a sense, motivated to do such stuff. Yeah, absolutely. People have to make hard decisions when it comes to buying now. And I guess the easiest decision is to get away with it free. Well, that is the target. We'll see if they are on target with their forecast. Um, and of course, um, this is indicative of what Walmart might be reporting later tonight. Shares of Target finish up 2.5% overnight, flat in after-hours trade. I want to turn our attention to the tech sector where I'm seeing conflicting headlines about the networking company Cisco. <laughs> On the one hand, it looks like there may be sluggish demand, and yet the company is still giving a strong sales forecast. Help me out here. Yeah, Michelle, I'm trying to wrap my head around this one. So it comes down to expectations. So let's start with the numbers first. Yep. So Cisco's numbers dropped. 23% in the third quarter and this is for revenue. So, this is not great. It did drop but the good news is it did not drop as much as people were expecting. So, mm. not that bad but it still dropped. So, that is I think what investors try and read into and then they try to escalate that into the next few quarters by reading into the commentary from CEO Chuck Robbins who says demand remains steady and he sees an improved supply chain that will give customers greater confidence to buy equipment and in a sense, IT spending will be resilient. So that is a story for Cisco despite the wider IT slump. Mm-hmm. Demand for Cisco's networking stuff will still have some support in that sense. All right. So we've covered retail, we've covered tech. It is time to look at banks. Not that long ago, concerns about mid sized US banks were spooking investors. Today, it seems that investors are piling back into these financial institutions. The research houses Jefferies, for example, has a buy call on Western Alliance Bangkok. Its shares surged 10% overnight. What is behind the renewed confidence in these banks? Yeah, it is really headline-driven, it almost seems, because the headline right now is about Western Alliance reporting growth in deposits. So instead of the usual headlines you were expecting, like depositors flocking to relative safety or perceived safety, people are flocking to U.S. regional lenders, at least in the three months to May the 12th. So deposits at Western Alliance grew by more than $2 billion for a total of roughly $50 billion. So that is a sign of confidence. Depositors voting with their feet, moving back to Western Alliance at least. So this is helping the wider sentiment around regional banks. If you look at the KBW Regional Banking Index that is up 7.3% to its highest levels in nearly three weeks. Wow. It's best day since January 2021, apparently. So good news for regional banks. Our next segment is called Invest Like Warren Buffett. I wish I had theme music to play for that. (laughs) (laughs) This week's Buffett's company, Berkshire Hathaway, has disclosed that it is switching stakes in two banks, buying the shares of one and selling off the other. You can imagine how investors reacted. Ryan, the banks are Capital One Financial and the Bank of New York Mellon. So help us understand which is in and which is out. All right, So looking at what Warren Buffett is doing, he is selling two banks and stocking up on one. So the one they're selling is BNY Mellon. Bank of New York Mellon, Mm -hmm. he has sold $1.4 billion of his Berkshire Hathaway's remaining holdings in that bank. So as Minneapolis regional lender, US Bancorp. So those two banks are out. What's in is 
Capital One. And he has, at least Berkshire, added $954 million of stock there. And also another financial stock he's um, raising his holdings in, Ally Financial or Ellie Financial, by $10.6 million. So a bit of, a, I guess, profit-taking. Interesting. So Berkshire Hathaway making a $1 billion bet on Capital One, mainly focused on credit card debt, I understand. Now, this week, we also found out that Buffett has abruptly exited a company over in the tech sector. Which is it? Yeah, so this is TSMC, the biggest or at least one of the biggest contract chip makers in the world. So it's an interesting read into this because what's coming out of the commentary is that he was motivated by concerns over geopolitical tensions between China and Taiwan. Mm. So this is seeing him exit TSMC because perhaps he might be a bit concerned about how it might implicate TSMC's fortunes being based in Taiwan. So geopolitics is becoming one of his investment, I guess, approaches. And he's also talked about how you combat against the US. So maybe he wants to pivot away from anything to do with China or Taiwan uh, and focus more on US stuff. Right. Despite Buffett's sell-off, those shares of TSMC are still showing strength. They're up 7% this week, 22% since the beginning of the year up for TSMC. Buffett, meanwhile, has indicated that he is more bullish these days on Japan rather than Taiwan. Keep that in mind during our next segment. It is up or down time, ladies and gentlemen. And let us start with uh, one of my favorite brands for headphones, Sony. (laughs) It's also a big brand for gaming. So I'm going up because rejoice, PlayStation fans. there's going to be more games in store and perhaps even hardware. So this is going to be all part of an hour-long showcase event that's um, going to be happening and they will be releasing things for PS VR 2 PS5 so new creations from PlayStation Studios more games from third party partners and you might expect to see things like Spider-Man 2 Wolverine Death Stranding 2 so these are big titles and you can imagine quite a bit of fanfare around these um, Oh, you games. put smiles on a lot of people's faces this morning, Ryan, for sure. Also, so it's an up for Sony for you, right? Up for Sony. All right, up for me as well. Sony is planning on buying back about 2% of its own stock, so 1.5 billion US dollars worth of stock. Sony shares trading at their highest level in a year and up for Sony in my book. Let's switch gears now. Look at Siemens, the German tech manufacturer. All right, I am going up for um, Siemens, which is raising its full-year outlook after beating its second-quarter sales. Mm-hmm. And this, uh, well, it's interesting to see how the maker of products ranging from trains and industrial software is looking confident. So it has quite a big stake in Europe. And of course, the European economy is not going through an easy time right now. So it's worth watching how this plays out because they are looking at a stronger few quarters. So I am watching very closely to see what they describe as um, a broad industrial recovery. Indeed, Siemens beating expectations for the second quarter of the year and it's raising its full-year profit guidance. So that translates to an up for me for Siemens. All right, Japanese stocks. Nikkei, back above 20,000. Yeah, I'm just looking at the Japanese stock market and 
It's building on a five-day winning streak. Yep. Today, if it stays that way, it's going to be number six. So people are flocking back to Japan big time. And if you look at the Nikkei 205, it just topped 30,000 points this week. So it's a reflection of how a lot of foreign investors are just running back to Japan. And based on what I've been talking to in terms of the uh, interviews with analysts, they are also quite bullish in J- on Japan based on valuations. So it looks like some of the hot sectors are utilities, mm-hmm. consumer cyclicals, technology and financials. Wow, look at that. Foreigners rushing back to Japanese stocks. The topics, uh, that topics index at its highest level since the 1990s. So foreign investors bullish on Japan again. What was that clue I gave you a few minutes ago about Warren Buffett, remember? Mm. So definitely an up for Japanese equities in my book too. And NVIDIA. All right, so this is going to be an up for me. So NVIDIA is partnering ServiceNow to bring generative AI to enterprise workflows. Right. So it's NVIDIA just riding the AI bandwagon with another partner on the corporate front, the enterprise front at least. So more business for the chip maker. Interesting. And along with that investor excitement, there's a lot about, there's a lot of chatter, right, about AI intelligence applications. And uh, so shares of NVIDIA rising in tandem with investor excitement in this particular area. Jensen Huang is the CEO of NVIDIA and he has seen his wealth double this year as a result. Some fund managers are predicting it will rise much further with forecasts that NVIDIA shares could jump fivefold over the next decade. That is definitely an up for NVIDIA. Finally, another chip maker, Micron. All right, Micron is an up for me as well. And this is around reports that it's set to land about $1.5 billion in financial incentives from the Japanese government to help it make next-generation memory chips as Japan tries to step up its game in the semiconductor space, driving domestic production. And I think it's indicative of how many countries are trying to get a head start in a sense in semiconductor technology. So they're trying to court Micron to set up shop. Yeah, indeed. Chip Wars. Remember that book that I recommended you read? Please, it is important. Pick it up. So we're seeing the Japanese government uh, reportedly set to provide Micron with about one and a half billion US dollars in financial incentives to build these next generation chips. Uh, It's a lot of money for Micron. So it should be an up for the company's business and stock. In case you're wondering, Chip War, the quest to dominate the world's most critical technology uh, is a book that I shared with you some time ago. You should be reading it. It's by Chris Miller. All right, before we check in on markets, there are two ESG headlines, both here in Singapore, that caught my eye this morning. The first has to do with sustainable jet fuel. Now, Singapore is home to the world's largest facility that converts waste material into fuel for planes. What did you think of that? Yeah, this is one of the biggest problems for aviation, trying to become greener. It is very tough because of the equipment. And if you want to make the airplane greener, you almost have to change the entire airplane. So the easiest way is to change the fuel because batteries will make it heavier. And the most straightforward approach should be using greener fuel. And in that sense... Sustainable aviation fuel is what a lot of the industry players are looking at and Singapore is trying to be a hub for it. So it's attracted the likes of Finnish energy giant Nest to expand 
its operations here to develop or recycle waste materials like cooking oil and animal fats into things you can use in your airplane. So maybe for cars one day as well. SAF, that's an acronym to watch out for. It's an exciting area in Singapore, apparently ahead of the curve when it comes to converting waste material into fuel for planes. Our next ESG headline has to do with an EV highway. Now, you can only drive so far in an electric car unless, of course, there are stations along the roads to charge or to switch out your batteries. Well, one company has plans for a 5,000-kilometer EV highway, and it starts right here in Singapore. What is the plan? Yeah, it's a very nice plan on paper. So imagine driving along the highway and you don't have to worry about charging your batteries because every now and then you will pass by a charging point. Mm. So that is the promise. You will be able to find charging points being laid out by this solutions provider called Charge Plus. So along the way to Thailand, Cambodia, Malaysia and Vietnam from Singapore, you can get charged up. So very interesting to see how these charging stations will be set up. You know, will we get some sort of um, pit stop kiosks or whatnot? It's very relevant for long travels because you will typically need to take some time to rest. So charging alongside that rest point, why not? Yeah, the whole ecosystem could be built up around these charging stations. New businesses as well. Let's check in on the local markets now. The Straits Times Index tested support once again yesterday at the 3200 level and that support held for all of seven minutes. After that, it was just downhill on a day in which most of the region was trading in the red. The STI went pretty much with the flow. The blue chip index finished down one and a quarter percent at 31.73. 25 out of the 30 STI constituents lost ground yesterday. Capital Land Investment and Capital Land Ascenders REIT, they were the worst performers. All right, thanks very much. He's Ryan Huang. I'm Michelle Martin. You've been listening to Market View. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download our audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O. Available on Google Play or the App Store.